1955, a trade ship was scheduled to deliver cargo from the island of Samoa to the neighboring island of Tokelau. It never reached its destination. The half-sunken remains of the ship were discovered a month later with four tons of cargo missing and bloody bandages on deck, but no signs of life. The passengers were never found. So today, we discuss the mysterious disappearance of the MV Hoyita. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another Mystery Monday here with Red Web, the show all about true crime, unsolved mysteries, internet conspiracies, and beyond. I am your resident mystery enthusiast, Trevor Collins, joining me, hearing this mystery for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz. Hello, hello, Task Force. What's good? How you doing? Yes, yes, the people. The We're up on Force. our balcony. Scripted <laughs> division. Hello, my buff scientist. How's it going? Mm-hmm. Um, back in the open seat. <laughs> Sorry, just just had one buff one. Today. Yeah, I mean, the sound effects are coming out. It's like on my own personal hype man slash soundboard. It's awesome. Um, all right, back in the open sea. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Gut check. First theory. 1955. Is is this still around the time when like pirates would run ships' pockets or what? Like how we. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you're not. You know, I'll, I'll give a little bit of. You know, put another point in the column of psychic abilities over this man's. Head, because we're gonna dabble in that. We're gonna dabble in that. I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, those the open sea were crazy back then. People were just doing whatever oh, yeah. they want. I mean, people were getting away with all kinds of heinous things because technology just wasn't as sophisticated right. as it was today. Imagine just being out in the open water. They go, shh. No you, one will believe you. you. You don't got nobody. Right. They're just I'll, ghosts in the sh- in the night. I'll be honest. Fail safe. I'm blowing my ship up. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you get like, off you and then go in remote Yeah, with or? me aboard it. What am I going to roll away with a tiny boat? <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I'm just saying, like, pirates get on board, it's over. What am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to fight off a whole, like... You, you give them the boat and you say, I'll, I'll live another day. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to be in a little boat? They're yeah. not all going to... I'm going to be in a little boat. Yeah. I'm going to be in a little boat and they're going to catch up to me and then, and then I'm... Then I'm screwed because they're going to be like, you blew up our friends. I'm just saying, pirate ship comes and I know for sure they're going to want to board me. They're like, hey, we're going to board you. I'm going to like walk back on deck with like all the, just as much gold I can hold in my arms. Right. And it's like, please don't take my gold. And then they get on board and I blow it up. Oh, oh yeah. You're showing them that. You're like, you're going to get on anyway. So you might as well like draw them in. Mm -hmm. You got a dead man switch somewhere. Yep. Maybe clench between your cheeks so that way you can use your hands. (laughs) Squeeze them tight. But then when they get you, you relax, obviously. Dead man switch. Boom goes the dynamite. Mm Mm-hmm. It's an interesting plan. Let's see if it uh, is relevant to what happened here. Um, Because honestly, I can, as as mad as it sounds, there's some conclusions, some some draws I can pull to the real situation and what your plan is. I'm curious. Okay. I'm curious if if you know you've embodied one of these theories. But before we do some red web, uh, we got a lot. Of, of news for Red Web. So first and foremost, Case Files is back through the rest of this year, 2023. It's going to be every other week on our YouTube channel. So thank you all so much for supporting us and this show. And first members, you're going to get an exclusive episode every other week within that. So if you're a first member, it's weekly for you. And we want to give you that. Thank you for supporting this show. Uh, you can support this show, get bonus episodes of Case Files. You get this show, this podcast, ad-free. Yeah, you do. It's just the best way to support us. It's like our Patreon Redwebpod.com slash 
first. I will say, if you want to see us goopy, the the first um for first members, those case files are goopy. They're a little goopier. <laughs> They're a little looser. In fact, we did a uh, a fan theory episode for first members, kind of responding to your emails. We're going to do actually time stamping this recording. We're going to do the Gansfield experiment, you and I, to see if that little gut check can translate. If you can like send images to my mind and a bunch of other fun stuff. And if you missed it, last week at store.roosterteeth.com, we launched our cryptid merch to celebrate Cyber Monday. We've got a shirt and beanie for all four of our favorite cryptids. you got Bigfoot, Chupacabra, the Jersey Devil, and Mothman. And they all have different colorways depending on what your style is. we got blue, black, red, beige, and forest green. Dress up, stay warm, hunt cryptids. Absolutely. It's always cryptid season. So store.roosterteeth.com if you want to get yourself or a friend in the task force a gift for the holidays. Oh, and Trevor, by the way, before we forget, Task Force members, the last two weeks of December, we will not be having regular episodes. We're going to be taking a holiday break. Just going to be uh, taking the load off, enjoying ourselves, giving our research team some time to enjoy the holiday season as well. And uh, thank you for understanding. With that said, let's dive into what people have called the Mary Celeste of the South Pacific. You remember the Mary Celeste was also a ghost ship, but that was kind of, where was that? Off the coast of Portugal. It was found adrift near the Azores Islands. This one's sunk, right? This one is like half sunk. It was found like floating half sunk. Oh. Yeah. So still a ghost oh, ship. Hence the, the bloody bandages. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, how the hell they keep see that underwater? <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be weird. Yeah. How, yeah, they'd start dissolving. But no, this one has a storied history. So I'm going to walk you through it because it could create the scenario that led to the predicament. A lot of things this ship went through. So the MV Hoyita is a 69-foot luxury yacht that was launched originally in 1931. It was made of cedar wood and owned by American film director Roland West. Now, West named the boat after his wife, Jewel Carmen. Hoyita actually means little jewel in Spanish. In 1936, West sold Oita, and by October 1941, the U.S. Navy had acquired the boat and brought it to Pearl Harbor on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. The hell does the Navy want with a yacht? That's what I'm curious. (laughs) That's wild. You have to remember this thing is a yacht because it goes on to a whole different journey, a whole different life than a luxury yacht. That's true. They probably, I'm guessing they retrofit it to be some kind of like battle yacht. I mean, a little bit, a little bit. (laughs) So throughout World War II, Hoyita acted as a patrol boat around Hawaii. Maybe, on the note of your question, maybe it blends in better because they're like, that's just a yacht. That can't be the Navy. Okay, that makes sense. I was thinking they really want to roll in style. Mm-hmm. Those are some Yale boys out but, there. No, that does blend in. Yeah. I mean, talk about expensive way to blend in, though. Right. But then again, I'd be surprised, right? I'd be like, there's no way that's the military. That's that's a baller yacht. Right. There's no, And that would have been fooled. They got their Oxfords on. Yeah, they would have been spying on me all day. <laughs> so... Oita during this time suffered damages, as you can imagine, but the Navy kept working on it and repairing it. During one of these major repairs, actually, the old copper pipes had been replaced with galvanized iron. This will come back a little bit later. When the war ended, Oita was still in working condition. In 1948, the yacht was purchased by private buyers, the Lewis Brothers firm, who upgraded many aspects of Oita. They added a cork lining, which is also very important, two diesel engines, and then they added two extra engines to act as kind of generators, just power for anything else going on on the boat. 
1952, Oita was once again sold and ended up as a trade boat across the Pacific Ocean in Samoa. So already in its 21 years, changed hands like four times. It's changed a lot, a lot of different jobs. And interestingly enough, constantly worked on. Constantly worked on. That will, again, that's going to be coming up. So on October 3rd, 1955, around 5 a.m., the Oita left the capital of Samoa, Apia. It was headed to Tokelau, another Pacific island, which was 270 miles or 435 kilometers north. Pretty much due north. The crew was originally scheduled to leave Apia on October 2nd, but they found one of the engines wasn't operating. They had 25 people in total on board, including the 16 crew members and nine passengers. Among those passengers were a surgeon, a government official, a copra buyer, and two children. Copra being the white fleshy part of a coconut. Very specific thing to buy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Coconuts had a lot of value. Especially Certainly. Like back then. You'd eat them. They you could, like, they provide great flavor. Get you know, some oil out of them? You, yeah, you get oil out of it. Um, they, they hold, was it like coconut water, I guess? Yeah. 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 I wonder if this person had really shiny luxury hair. You know what I mean? Like when that, get that good coconut oil action going on. Is it like on? a dog? You know how you give dog like a, like a fish oil and it's like, Oh, do they? Oh no, yeah. you don't eat it. You like, you can rub it in and it's, oh, like, and it's good to nourish the hair. I was about to say, cause you, you give a dog like fish oil and their meals and then they have a nice coat oh. of like hair, like smoother and everything like that. And, Less flaky. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's just eating. He's just <laughs> <laughs> he eats his own supply. <laughs> now, the captain, Thomas H. Miller, a.k.a. Dusty, was a friend of Oita's owner. Due to good weather conditions and the relatively short distance to their destination, they decided one engine would be safe enough to make this journey. Since Oita was being used for trade at this point in time, the boat was carrying medical supplies, 80 empty oil drums, food, and timber. That is the cargo. The journey was supposed to take only between 41 to 48 hours, about two days, and they were scheduled to arrive in Tokelau on October 5th. Oita was three days late. Of course, it then never arrived. That doesn't seem like a massive haul of valuable cargo. Not much. No, it's not like gold or, I mean, hell, even back then, like tea and spices and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean... It's also empty oil oh, barrels. Like, yeah, it's a lot of empty barrels. Which reminds me very much of the Mary Celeste, which, again, was a ghost ship. Part of its cargo was 9,000 barrels of denatured alcohol. True. And uh, which, one of the theories that the fans had sent up, in, right? task for, oh yeah, that maybe uh, there was enough ethanol in the air to create an explosive condition where a fireball could kind of fire out, burn off all the ethanol, but not really burn the ship. Scare everybody, scare everybody yeah, off. I, I said know. it during case, that Case Files episode, and I'll say it here. I'm so proud of the task force. It was cool. They yeah. broke it down. They, they were an engineer. Yeah. They did we all the science. They proved it. Really big-brained task force mm -hmm. members. I'm talking buff in the brain. And I'll say it again here. Maybe we need to have a red web neck brace because their mass, <laughs> them, them craniums are large. We got some large craniums out there. <laughs> <laughs> neck brace. All right, so... What's interesting with this late, or as we know, missing ship, is that no one in the immediate area received any distress signal. So because of that, and this ship not arriving, a search was immediately kicked off. The New Zealand Air Force searched for the boat and its crew for about a week, from October 6th to the 12th. They covered 100,000 square miles, or 260,000 square kilometers. It's a lot of ocean. It wasn't until November 10th, Five weeks after Oita's disappearance, 
that it was spotted by the merchant ship Tuvalu. So Tuvalu saw Oita floating, partially submerged, just north of Vanua Levu. I actually have an image of what that boat looked like Whoa. when it was found. We have an it. That's awesome. It's, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. that's a yacht on a budget. <laughs> a, it might be a budget yacht. Or a 1930s yacht. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, though. You're thinking yachts. That's true. It could be a yacht of the times. Mm-hmm. A depression yacht. I mean, that's when it was made. It's like a little bit bigger than like the Jaws boat. <laughs> honestly, it's giving me Jaws boat vibes for sure. Yeah. And it's tilted like the Jaws boat. And it's got, on yeah. On side, though. It's half submerged, but it's like on the right half. Wow. It didn't fully submerge. So, I mean, honestly, we don't know when, like... The mm-hmm. damage was dealt to have it tip on its side and mm-hmm. partially submerge. But, I mean, if it was missing for five weeks, I'm willing to bet, like, this thing might have stayed afloat for at least a handful of days, if not like a week or two, uh, which is remarkable that they found it in this condition and not just sunk into the bottom of the water. Oh, yeah. Damn. That's really cool that there's a photo. Oh, yeah. It's roughed up a bit. I mean, you can see that the canopy up top, the kind of fabric that's wrapping the metal framework just keep that out here for you to to look at. It's kind of torn up, and we'll talk about the damages, but otherwise, it really wasn't all that much damaged. And again, just to give you a better idea of where this is, this is the second largest island of Fiji. This is about 600 miles, or just shy of 1,000 kilometers west from Oita's planned route. So Mm. it had drifted quite some bit in this five-week period. Yeah. Um, Two things come to mind. One, Fiji, great water. Second... (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, the fact is, uh, this is like 1950s, right? Yeah. This image is clearer than cryptid image today. <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. Right. That's how I know all the cryptid stuff is fake. Yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We have, I have a clear image in the 1950s of this boat half sunk. And you, you got me like a 240p uh, resolution photo or video right. in like 2023 of a crypt that you supposedly saw. Mm-hmm. Or like people seeing aliens land in their backyard. Right. Well, that's the thing is this is film, digital. Uh, I grew up in the 90s. I knew the downfall <laughs> of digital. Okay. I saw the transition. Wow, my, a, my childhood's lost to the transition. It's true. But yeah, it's a, it's a crisp photo and we don't normally have that for mysteries like this. No, we don't, which is why it's again, so cool. Oh yeah. So, of course, when Tuvalu's crew saw this, they decided to send some signals over to Oita to see if anybody was left on the boat, anyone alive, and no one, of course, from the boat responded. Tuvalu's captain then sent a recovery mission to the boat and found Oita completely empty with no one on board. Again, very reminiscent to the Mary Celeste, which we have covered in a previous episode. So, let's talk now on to, like, the kind of investigation phase, as it were. Now, upon arriving at the boat, it was noted that there was no major structural damage to the vessel itself. That said, parts of the boat that were above the waterline were in fact damaged, including the flybridge, aka the navigational bridge that sits up top. Some of the windows and lights were also broken. The lower decks were flooded, but the hull was considered sound. It was floating on its side, and a barnacle growth showed that it had been this way for quite some time. So, Oh, wow. yeah, Yeah, so you can see that it had for whatever caused them to to part this boat whatever like whatever the mystery is it had listed like this probably most of its five weeks that it was missing wait so i guess like you said the hole was intact yeah how is it tilted and taken on water just from the top it's a great question yeah i'm assuming like a chunk of it's like i don't know yeah you would think like it's tilted like that because some part of the hole but yeah so 
Someone, it appeared, when they looked at this ship, someone had created a makeshift awning on the deck. Tuvalu's crew then discovered that four tons of cargo seemed to be missing from this boat. They found bloody bandages and a surgeon's medical bag on deck. Oita's engine still had plenty of fuel, but they found that it was turned off, and instead it was covered with mattresses, interestingly enough. Okay, I don't know what... Oh, yeah, I have no idea what the hell that means. My first guess would be fire. If there was a fire on the engine and you have mattresses that are relatively fireproof and you just try to stifle it. Yeah. Okay. Or if it's spitting hot oil or something, you know. Yeah. Hmm. I was thinking more to protect it, but yeah, possibly protect yourselves from it. Yeah. It's definitely a mystery for now. And of course, the second engine was still disassembled, but this is the non-operational engine that we knew about at launch. So this is nothing of note, really. Now, eerily, all of the clocks on the boat were stopped at exactly 10.25 p.m. The radio itself was set to 2182 kilohertz, and this was the known distress frequency. Remember, no one received a distress signal from the boat, so it's interesting that they had it set to that radio station and no one heard from them. But when they investigated further, they found a, and I should say the Tuvalu crew, found a break in the cable indicating that the radio could not have worked, but the break itself that connected the cable to the, whether it be the power source or some way to broadcast it, was painted over. A real landlord sort of situation. Just oh, painted over the damage. Oh, no. Yeah, so the, the Oita crew might not have even known that it was broken in the first place. So they might have thought that they were sending distress signals to someone. Well, I mean, but. here's the thing. I believe that, right? I don't think, like, it, like... They boarded the ship and then like broke it and then painted over it. Right. You know? Right. So that's definitely like a previous thing. And that's what see, I was thinking that when you were saying like the boat itself was changing hands and different people were repairing it or at, yep. having additions done to it, whatnot. I'm like, that's beautiful. But also at the same time, like, I mean, a lot of, of us have dealt with contractors in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes they're not the best and they take shortcuts. Yeah, we got some budget repairs here. Yeah. Some and um that's un that's just so unfortunate because I was thinking to myself, like, if anyone wants to board this ship and with means to cause harm, unless they were the sneakiest people in the world, mm -hmm. you'd see them a mile away, right? And you just start phoning in immediately. Yeah. So I was like, what mysterious way were they boarded, or was this self sabotage on the ship, etc.? But yeah, this leads me to believe that like. They were, at least my ongoing theory, they were boarded, they yeah. called for help, and it was just not working. The fact that, that it's painted sucks. over. Yeah. You wouldn't damage it and then paint it over and be like, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Because also, with the medical bag and bandages, it leads me to kind of think that, like, they were boarded, they stole stuff, uh, they were injured, mm -hmm. and then from there, just kind of awaited, you know, or at least thought they were waiting for support or help or whatnot. Yeah, and yeah. And then the, the call never went out. It's a great theory. God. We're going to dive into that one specifically, but it's totally possible. Now, with regards to this break, it's not that the radio was completely out, right? It's just that any other radio that would possibly receive their signal would need to be in a very close radius, like a two-mile radius of this boat, which is untenable on the high seas. You'd see them sooner than you would hear them, probably. Yeah. So, basically, it meant that any calls that went out no one's going to hear him. Now, it is worth noting, Oita had three lifeboats in a dinghy, and they were all missing. Distressingly, they would not have the sufficient life jackets for the amount of people on board during this trip. So if everyone fled in the lifeboats and on the dinghy, hopefully that 
those were watertight because they wouldn't have had enough for all 25 people on board. Oof. Man, 25 people, I don't know if they were raided by, you'd have to be raided by a large party. Cause well, he, to cause pick up four tons of cargo, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, I'd be like, look, man, it's us or them. We bum rush these guys. They don't got enough bullets for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. Now, to cap it all off, we have a, a ship that's damaged, a distress signal that can't go out, all the life jackets, lifeboats, etc., all missing. Now, the navigational equipment is also missing, including the logbook and the sextant. They were missing from Oita, potentially because they wanted to take that onto the lifeboat for navigational purposes, but either way, it's gone. I would hate it. Man, if it were pirates that came on and yoinked their logbook and sextant to leave them at the high seas on a sinking boat with no navigation, that would be wild. That's, I mean, no witnesses. Yeah. Now, in February 1956, a formal maritime investigation reported that even though the Oita was in bad condition, the disappearance of the crew was, quote, inexplicable on the evidence submitted at the inquiry. The inner cork lining, remember, that was added, I think, on the final owner's behest. The inner cork lining is what made the Oita so buoyant that it was virtually impossible to sink, and the additional empty oil drums would have also increased the buoyancy. So, Also with 25 people on board, see, now I'm kind of uh, kind of understanding how this can be seen as a like a paranormal ghost mystery. Mm-hmm. With 25 people, there's no one on this thing, dead or alive. Everyone unanimously decided to jump right. and get off. Or... Like, I mean, sure, they had enough lifeboats, whatnot, but like, I don't know, still. Yeah, because like, they never turned up. Yeah. These boats with the crew and passengers yeah. never really... 25 people starts to get into the realm of like, so everyone left at the same yeah. time. Most, I mean, I could see that happening, but... I'm still stuck between, you know, was somebody hurt because the engine was going haywire, they wanted to stop a fire, and so the surgeon who was on the boat tried to help... And then they thought the boat was going to go down, so they all got into the lifeboats, and then something happened to all three of those and the dinghy. Maybe bad weather, I don't know. Or maybe they were just so lost, they went off to, like, the great vast ocean and, you know, Bob's your uncle. Or was it coercion? To your point, I mean, that's where my head's still at, is, like, both these angles are viable. I mean, that's why we have a mystery. Yeah. But... That's a juicy one. Oh, yeah. Now, on top of that, the inquiry also found that the corroded pipe, remember that copper was replaced with galvanized iron, And despite it being galvanized, eventually over time, it can corrode and can cause holes and leaks. So the corroded pipe in the ship is what caused the hull to leak water. Oh. Yeah. So this was replaced, the inquiry is in 56, and those pipes were replaced sometime after 41 and before 48, during its tenure with the Navy. Now, this particular pipe was part of the cooling system for the engine. So we have a couple things compounding now. You have a leak that could cause some sinkage. You have a malfunctioning cooling system that could cause an engine to overheat, which then leads to my idea of yeah, fire. the mattresses. But you also have now an engine that's not running at its perfect condition, which could lead to a ship that is underpowered and maybe slower than usual, etc. I don't, you know, whatever. Maybe guiding you yeah. off course, leading you astray. I would think, though, like, you know... Even if they all got on these lifeboats, to still stay near the boat, you know? Because there could be supplies that you want. People would be searching for this boat. I think it'd be, I don't know, initial gut check thought would be beneficial to stay near this thing. And then you realize it's not sinking. 
Right. So at that point, like, I don't know, maybe get on, grab some stuff. Maybe some people just kind of still chill on it or something. I don't know. Especially oh, yeah. the ones that don't have life jackets. Right. You, you like hover around the main mass of yeah. thing that you got because maybe you don't know where the nearest island is or if your weak engine drifted you off course. But honestly, we're going to get into it in one of the theories, but like the inner cork lining, the idea of all these empty barrels kind of adding buoyancy to the whole system like is something that I feel like a captain would have known. And so maybe there shouldn't have been so much panic. Again, it is part of one theory. There are other uh, theories to address, oh. but... What's interesting, too, is when the inquiry kind of looking into this ship noticed that an auxiliary pump that was set up in the engine room, probably to keep the water from affecting the engine too badly, but this pump itself was not connected. So maybe they were preparing for it in the panic and maybe left during it. It's, um, it's really painting a vivid image of what could have happened in that moment. But again, it opens the door to so many possible theories. Right. They also found, as I kind of just mentioned in the inquiry, they found it strange that the captain would allow the crew to leave the boat when it was not sinking. Yes, it looks precarious and it feels precarious, but if you know well enough, that, I mean, this was a seasoned vet of the seas, yeah. you would have known probably that it was not necessarily sinking, going to fully sink. Yeah. Now, based on the amount of fuel left in the tanks, it was found that Oite was likely about 50 miles or 80 kilometers from Tokelau when the engine stopped. So that would put them about 75, 80% of their voyage done. Like, Damn, very close. Damn, deep into it. But yeah. you're not halfway, so, I mean, you are close to one end of your trip. Mm-hmm. And so if the boat shut down 50 miles off that coast, they then believe that the leak might have started around 9 p.m. on the second evening of their journey, leading to an entire night of total darkness at sea. Remember, all of their clocks stopped at 10.25 p.m., so maybe that's where leakage caused an issue with those power generators yeah. so the whole ship shut down i.e the clocks froze and so now you're in the pitch black sea out in the middle of the water knowing that you're not really all that far away again now i'm, I'm getting ahead of myself it's possible they hopped off and said let's just leg it we think the ship's going to go down let's just leg it north get to this island and in the dark seas not being able Wait to use tools morning man right like right can you, this is going to be wild. It's dark as hell out there. It's dark as hell. Christian, let me find that date again. Um, I believe it was October. Let's see if it was the second night. It would have been October 4th, 1955. Can you look up the phase of the moon that night? Yeah, I can try. It is a very curious question I have. Because it's true, if, if they it were was at a night, full moon. Mm -hmm, the full moon, a little bit better of a leg up. But man, if it was a new moon, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I know. We're talking crescent or less? Yeah. We're, we, oh. That's rough. Looks like the phase of the moon on October 4th, 1955 was waning gibbous. Waning? That's, that's, waning is the, is close to sliver, right? Because there's waxing and waning and man, I just. The waning gibbous is between a full moon and a half moon. It's like three quarters oh, okay. bright moon. Okay. Okay. So that gives enough of a confidence to use a sextant mm. and hop on out there maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, though, like, I'm assuming the captain's leading the charge. I don't know. I don't know what protocol is, yeah. you know? But I think, like, hey, like, like you said, the captain would know. This boat's not necessarily sinking. We've got supplies on here. Um, it's dark right out till morning. Just seems like the logical thing, mm -hmm. hindsight, whatnot. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, as I kind of indicated earlier, sadly, none of the Oita's crew members or passengers were ever seen again. 
So we really will struggle to ever find a full answer to this particular mystery. But there are ample theories that try to stitch together these facts to resolve what might have happened that day. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp. Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give it to yourself. And the holidays are a great time to do that. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Everyone needs someone to talk to, and therapy is a great way to be that catalyst in order to get a lot off your chest. And the thing with therapy is it could be very difficult to find out someone that matches with you, right? It's a very personal thing. BetterHelp is a great way to kind of like filter to the, towards the person that really fits you and that will best give you a therapy experience. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash redweb today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Uncommon Goods. Don't panic if you haven't finished your holiday shopping just yet. You can still find a unique, unforgettable gift with the help of Uncommon Goods. UncommonGoods.com has the coolest gifts that'll stand out. Their site is a treasure trove. They curate high-quality, one-of-a-kind items, often handmade by indie artists and makers. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. They even have uncommon experiences with unexpected opportunities to connect in new ways, from tarot card readings to mixology classes to gardening. Uncommon Goods is great because it's a lot of unique gifts that you wouldn't really find anywhere else. And they have great categories, whether or not, you know, you want gifts under 50, gifts under $100, fan favorites, holiday themed stuff. It makes it really easy to pick something that's not just a gift card. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash redweb. That's uncommongoods.com slash redweb for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by First Leaf. Being in the grocery stores during the holidays is like being stuck in a maze. And don't get me started on the wine aisles. Between the people crowding the aisles and the giant selection, you can end up grabbing the same bottle as always and running to the checkout. But with First Leaf, they take the stress out of finding new wine. First Leaf is the wine club that sends personalized shipments of bottles that are based on my unique palette right to my door. All you have to do is go to First Leaf's website, answer a few questions about your likes and dislikes, and their expert team will select a customized assortment of world-class wines based on your preferences. I'm a big fan of drinking wine, but I do like the sweeter wines. And so it's really cool to go answer a bunch of questions and not have the stress of, you know, standing in an aisle and trying to Google whether or not, like, is this sweeter? Is this, does this pair well with this or that? First Leaf makes it super easy to kind of get a rotation of wines so you're not stuck with the same constant one that you're going with because there's a lot of great wines out there. Find the wine you'll love this holiday season with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash redweb to sign up and you'll get your first six hand curated bottles for just $44.95. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash redweb. Tryfirstleaf.com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Factor. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. 
Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tracking all your holiday to-dos. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. I love Factor. It's just really simple and easy. Look, I got work and then I go home and I do more work and I got two little corgis. So I don't got time to cook, but I delivery is expensive and that adds up. And so being able to like work out and have a meal that's done in under two minutes, that's healthy, that fits my macros. It's perfect. Factor does a really good job of making delicious meals easy and ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash redweb50 and use code redweb50 to get 50% off. That's code redweb50 at factormeals.com slash redweb50 to get 50% off. So one theory that came up at the time that Oita went missing, so back in the 50s, was that pirates stole from the boat. This is very in line with what your general inclination was, Fredo. So this would explain much of the cargo going missing, and it's also possible that the pirates murdered or otherwise kidnapped the crew and passengers. However, the bloody bandages and doctor's equipment show that they would have possibly tried to heal someone on board, which pirates of this caliber would probably not allow, um, unless it was, I don't know, coerced. You hurt one of my pirate friends, fix them. I (laughs) I don't know. Another angle is that the pirates could have simply stolen the cargo, damaged the pipes, and left the crew on the Oita so they couldn't pursue them down and, you know, either hell on them, you know, call the authorities, or otherwise just, like, leave them limping at sea so they could get away with the goods. Yeah. From there, in this kind of second angle, the remaining crew and passengers might have then thought that turning to the lifeboats would be a better option than waiting in what feels like a very sinking ship to then wait for help because they thought they had sent out distress signals, so they thought people were going to be on the way. They knew that they were supposed to land three days after their departure. So again, it was a, it's a decent theory because, you know, you'd think that people would be on the way, Yeah. but then they drifted for quite some time. It's a very simple theory, but it does address a lot of possibility. Yes, it does. Now, a likely explanation is that the captain and his crew simply had poor judgment on the situation that was going on. When the hole began to flood and the engine stopped working, the crew and passengers may have panicked. The inquiry that we talked about earlier pointed out that even in that situation, due to the high buoyancy of Oita, they should have known that the leak would not completely sink the ship. All those barrels, all that cork lining, etc. Or that's simply enough that the boat itself would be at least a little bit more safe than jumping in all the life rafts yeah. with not enough life vests. However, it's impossible to know what it was like truly on deck of the Hoita in the heat of the moment. The passengers likely and understandably would be scared, but the captain should still not have left a still floating boat. Perhaps because of all the panic, there was a lot of pressure to do certain things and act in certain ways. It would be a lot to calm down 24 other individuals if they were panicking. You as the captain saying, no, we'll be fine, but we look terrible. We're halfway under, but we'll be fine. However, based on the way Oita was found, it does look that it could sink at any second. So maybe even the captain himself lost confidence in an otherwise, you know, storied history at yeah. the seas. Even then, though, it seemed like it'd get to this position and settle fairly quickly. You know, you're going to be rolling for a minute. Mm-hmm. I feel like you look and be like, that's been like that for a good five minutes. So we sure this thing is sinking or? Right. 
Or what? Yeah. I mean, and on top of that, you know, a lot of this theory is predicated on Miller being a very um, accomplished, experienced captain. But either way, that doesn't mean that this person is infallible, especially no, in all. a panicked in moment. In situation. Man, if I don't care how much experience you have, if you're on a small ship with responsible to, for 24 other people, including two children, and you're just out in the middle of the Pacific, even if you're 50 miles off, that's 50 long miles from the coast. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's very easy to make mistakes or not know what is exactly right in the moment. Regardless, the biggest wrinkle and the cause for the confusion on this particular theory is the missing cargo. Sure, maybe there were mistakes made, poor decisions made, but why four tons of missing cargo? Perhaps some of it could have floated off as the boat was half submerged, kind of listing on its side. That could answer for some of it. Perhaps the people on board were throwing things off to help maintain buoyancy. You know, they're trying to throw off all the lumber, throw off this and that, drop some weight. Um, But these ideas don't fully explain how you have four tons of missing cargo because that's so much missing cargo. Also, if you're throwing out all the cargo, your mindset is like, let's try and keep this ship from sinking. So then you'd see that it didn't sink, you were successful and then still kind of hang out with the ship. So, so, yeah, that was difficult. I mean, 320 pounds per person, including the children, to drop off the boat if it was four tons. And even then, that's like, like, how the hell, if anyone got it off the ship, how that takes forever. Yeah, and they scoured the area. I mean, sure, you know, maybe the barrels had holes in them or whatever. They were empty. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if any of that would have floated. The lumber, perhaps. I feel like a ton of it would have. Hmm. I don't know. Wrinkle, Yeah, because sure. that is a lot to get off a ship if you're stealing it. But also, if a lot of it's not value, as super valuable, it seems like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a simple theory and uh, intriguing nonetheless. Now, another theory brought up by author Robert Mom was that a mutiny happened on the Oita. When the leak in the hull occurred, Captain Miller likely pressed the crew to continue sailing, knowing that the Oita wouldn't sink. Again, there's a lot of theories based on a few assumptions, right? That's all we can kind of really lean on right now. The crew, who weren't as familiar with the Oita as Miller, may not have trusted his judgment. Remember, Miller was, I guess, friends with the owner of the Oita at that time, so he had a lot more familiarity, that cork lining and everything like that. Now, under complete darkness, if this was the case, they were probably even more scared. Can't see anything, can't tell where land's gonna be, all of that. Some sources say that Miller was reckless, difficult to work with, and did not consider the safety of his crew. Perhaps that reputation came into play, whether it be from the crew's perspective or by way of his disposition, we'll never know. Now, they may have injured Miller without killing him. Again, this is a mutiny theory, which could explain the bloody bandages and the surgeon's uh, bag trying to help him. From there, they could have taken the navigational equipment and then abandoned the ship for the lifeboats. The lifeboats were much less buoyant than the Oita and could have easily been overtaken by strong ocean waves. Another version of this theory is that Captain Miller was somehow incapacitated and could not reassure the crew that the Oita would not sink. That would, uh, mm. I mean, it seems like sudden chaos, you know? Well, to what point? It's not like they had the most valuable things on there. I think it's just people seeking, you know, panicking for their lives. I mean, you can't really underestimate the emotional state of, uh, you know, individuals there with with kids. Yeah. Just like not only self-preservation, but now you have two hyper-innocent children just on board kicking it. 
you're immediately going to be in this protective mindset. Like, no one's getting in my way. I'm terrified we're at sea. You know, this is the only clear answer to me. Hop in the lifeboat. You're in the middle of the ocean. These big waves swallow you over. Yikes. I I see that. But I, I think, like, this kind of goes back to my theory. 25 people mm-hmm. all, or I guess 24 people all agreed to mutiny. You know what I mean? You yeah. think there would some peop- there'd be some people who would be at odds with each other and then I I guess like forced to stay behind with the ship. You sure. know what I mean? Hey, you made your bed, you don't want to join us, you're not on these boats, etc. Yeah. Um where to be like, we're mutiny, coming with us, stay with us. Um It's a good instinct for sure. I don't know. I feel like there would be some sort of like discourse there and then that would cause like people to stay behind. Yeah. I can see that. It's um, also like a big... It doesn't always pl- play out that way, but it just, oh, for sure. just feels like that's something that naturally plays out that way. Oh, yeah. Often. I mean, take into account like whoever was injured or whatever. If it was the captain saying, no, let's stay on board, I can imagine the captain going, well, I'll stay on board. I don't know. Right. But then he's responsible for these people. It's interesting. I, I, I'm with you, too, because it is, it's tough to imagine that suddenly all 24 people with would, within the hour or two, suddenly go... Mutiny! The power's off. It's nighttime. Let's take to the lifeboats. We're all in unison. Yeah. <laughs> but but there's also, you know, group think. In the state yeah. of panic, yeah, the yeah. stronger emotions prevail. You don't want to, especially if violence starts breaking out, you go, listen, I don't want any, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to be hurt. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting theory. The next one, much more brief. It states that Captain Miller was said to have some debts due to failed fishing trips and may have staged a disappearance with Oita. However, this doesn't explain what happened to the 24 other people on board, and Miller was making money using the Oita for government charters. Simple, succinct, insurance fraud. The next one is definitely much more of the times. Remember, we're coming off World War I, World War II, a lot of international tensions. So, local newspapers, the Fiji Times and the Herald, both reported on an interesting theory that they say they learned from, quote, an impeccable source. The theory goes that the Oita may have come across a Japanese boat and saw something that they were not meant to see. Japanese flotillas were reportedly still active in the area, and Fiji was frustrated that Japanese fishers were allowed in their waters. So there's room for propaganda, let me just say that, but... Yeah, but I mean, it's not a totally ridiculous theory, though. Right, right. So knives were found on Oita stamped with, quote, made in Japan but their age showed that they were likely left over from before World War II. Again, this boat had been around the block, seen a lot of people. Yeah. This theory may have arisen out of the leftover anti-Japanese sentiment, as I kind of indicated, but some thought that the Oita could have been kidnapped by Soviet submarines as the Cold War had just started by this point, but there is no evidence for this. Basically, that some sort of international scandal went down that this boat kind of ran afoul of either a Japanese boat or yeah. a Russian sub, and led to this mysterious disappearance. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it's not it's completely far-fetched. Man, I didn't even see this in the research until just now, but that's the end of the theories. But interestingly enough, this was not the end of the Oita itself. After the disappearance... Still? Oh, yeah. This boat was kicking it for a little bit. Do, do we know, as I read this, Christian, what year it was officially decommissioned? No, but I should be able to find out. Okay, so as he looks that up, It says here that after the disappearance, the Oita continued to be used for trade. After it ran aground, 
multiple times, it was then considered bad luck and was then stripped for parts. Wow. I'd say so. Bad luck indeed. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was kicking and totally fine before that. Oh, yeah. Then running around multiple times. Oof. Oh, yeah. What a fall from grace for the, for the boat. Well, with this sepia tone image, kind of going back to what you said, it looks like Gilligan's boat. Yeah. Maybe, and I'm thinking optimistically here, maybe we have some... How's it going with this? Maybe we have some, uh, some, a whole colony of 25 passengers and crew that washed up on an uncharted island. We'll call it, I don't know, Gilligan's Island. And they started a life of their own. Yeah. And they will suddenly, in the next 100, 200 years, grow to be a global power. And they will be called the Oita. He's just spitballing. I'd just like to think that there's life after mystery. (laughs) These are all wild. They all went, got sucked up by a submarine. They mutinized their captain. Pirates took them asunder. I mean, the fact there's that many people, that's that's the stuff that's like, man, so you're telling me like, whichever way you spin it, 25 people were lost at sea, 25 people started an island called Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe maybe the show was a documentary. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. That's true. We don't. We, we definitely don't, don't know. know. We probably do, but we don't. <laughs> we can look it up, but we won't. Or like twenty-five people hop into a submarine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And are abducted. Like ah. that's still a massive amount of people to just migrate. Yeah. Either way, I mean, again, this mystery, like many, comes so close to feeling answered because we have so much tangible evidence, as you love, but there's so many missing pieces that it's just hard to fully connect the dots and get that answer and so it's just like it captivates the mind it's so intriguing like what genuinely could have happened if you're able to just travel back in time and just be a viewer of these events i just feel like man it's like you know just top drama television right there like right before your eyes granted a lot of stuff we covered is very horrific right but i mean like to see stuff that happened just have it unfold or to get the answer yeah it's answers tv oh my goodness the amount of satisfaction yeah you get repeatedly over and over again just visiting all these different mysteries and whatnot and just seeing what happened oh do you think satisfying do you think that's what uaps are Time travelers, humans coming back to look at us and, and discover the answer to a mystery. Well, I mean, they're doing it wrong. They should be doing is time traveling back and seeing what they should invest in stock-wise or something. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they are. Like, the UAP should be flying over, like, Maybe New Jeff York, Bezos did that. You know I mean? <laughs> maybe, that's how he, maybe that's how he is, Jeff Bezos. That's true. You know? Could be. But, like, why is UAPs flying in the middle of nowhere? They'd be flying, or they need to fly over, like, New York and get all these... Right. You know, right. stock exchange numbers and, and... They're sucking people up from Kansas. And yeah. I don't know if they've got <laughs> yeah, the get answers. Get off of Wall Street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Oita, when was she decommissioned and pieced out? Yes. To answer your question, it looks like it was a years-long process, but it looks like it was completed sometime by the late 1970s. Goodness. Okay. So Oita launched 1931, 45-year-old-ish boat. Wow. 45. Give or take, you know, late 70s, like, you know, mid 40s, late 40s. Long time. So it's goodness. That would be uh, another 20 years after this mystery went down. Would you would you step onto that ship to do business, to go trade after uh, this disappearance? Are you pra- um, practical enough or, you know, superstitious like you wouldn't do it? Uh, not in the middle of the ocean. No. 
I wouldn't step on anything I don't know in the middle of the ocean, to be honest. You just leave a long, floating rope behind you. You know, like a little trail that you just kind of like continue to unfurl. So you go like, I'm Noita, you know where I've been. Yeah. In case I go missing just once in again. in case, you never yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I just wouldn't I feel like if I hop on a boat, I would just get attached to it. Like, I know this boat. I walked it for five minutes. <laughs> I don't know that boat. I'm not getting on it. I've known it for five minutes. I'm attached. I can't. I can't get on that one. Can't let it go. You're like, yeah, I can't get on the Oita. I, uh, I saw a boat when I was a kid once. Yeah, uh, it's never been the same. <laughs> All right, task force. This has been once again the MV Oita, a ghost ship found in the South Pacific. Fascinating mystery. If we missed anything, if there's any. God, because you've got some buff minds out there. If you have any inclination as to what we might have missed, theory-wise, let us know. Apply your knowledge. There's so many people from so many different industries and different like facets of, of life and knowledge. I'd be very curious to see if, uh, if we can get another college engineer to come in and scientifically break down what's possible here. But maybe a mechanical engineer. Talk about that engine. See what's uh, that'd up. be great. Or if you just put your minds together and uh, kind of make us a temp pad so we can right. uh, travel through time, that'd right. be great. Make one of those. Um, uh, but if we do travel through time, then we're going to need you guys to also make like a temporal loom. So then that way right? we can congest everything into one sacred timeline. Right, right, right. And these are great terms yeah. that you're just kind of yeah. coming up with on the floor. Well, you know, I just, <laughs> my mind's getting buffered by the day. My mind's getting like, so buffed that I feel like you could grab an infinite number of these timelines this is and very just true. wrap them onto your person. You know what? We're going to call them the multiverse. Okay. Okay, I like it. I like it. Task Force, once again, a huge shout out to our first members that support this show. It's the best way to support us and we're so grateful for you. It's like our it's like our Patreon. If you go to redwebpod.com slash first, you can see all the benefits you get, but in succinct nature, you get a bonus episode of Case Files and you get this show ad-free plus many more things. So thank you so much again for being a first member. Alfredo, I'll see you right back here next Monday with yet another mystery. Mm-hmm.